Well, he knows. He knows who you are. He knows what he has for you. He knew you'd be here today, whether you're online or in person. And that's good news, amen? It's a great place to be is in the presence of a God who sees you, knows you, loves you, has a plan for you. And uh, we're in this period, a series that we're in as a church uh, that also includes our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, we're, we're hitting day 14 right now. And if some of you have been on the sideline and you're like, I don't know. Well, today's the day I'm gonna say, get in the game. Like get in the game for the last seven days and watch what God can do. I can't explain to you what happens when we pray and fast and seek God other than God is faithful. God is good and he sees us, he knows and he moves. And we have seen in our family in these two weeks answered prayer in breakthroughs already. We've seen it in the life of the church. There are stories emerging and even here this morning that God is doing that are answered prayers. So he knows. I wanna encourage you to dive in and jump in. Uh, You can go to that link and get the devotional and be a part of that. This series, as I mentioned, as he knows, we're in the book of Exodus, and a couple weeks ago we looked at a little bit of the the background and the the setting for what God was doing in a man's life named Moses. In Exodus 1, we talked about the fact that there were breakthrough conditions, that there were things going on in the world that were wrong and broken and off, and yet a God who saw it wanted to do something about it. Isn't that good news? Many of us have breakthrough conditions in our life, things we didn't ask for, we don't want, and only God can do something about it. Last week, Pastor Zorro delivered an amazing message, did he not? Awesome message, and uh, spoke about the idea from Exodus 2 of God has the plan, he knows the plan. So we can trust him because he's good and he's faithful. It was actually in Exodus 2 that we saw that, that this idea of Exodus, uh, that a God rescues a people. He, he delivers and draws them out of bondage in Egypt with Pharaoh and he delivers them from slavery. And the way he begins to do it is by preserving life that Hebrew midwives had actually rescued children that were going to be sentenced to death under Pharaoh, that in fact, one of those children's name was Moses, which means to draw out uh, and rescue. He was literally rescued from the Nile River and God rescued him. Aren't you glad that God sees and rescues us? And, and, and as God drew him out, it's a reminder as Moses grew in age and as God had a purpose for his life, that actually God does care about life from the womb to the tomb. That the book of Exodus and the story of Moses reminds us as our country honored Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. last Monday, a a man who was a pastor and a civil rights activist who believed in the gospel and fought for freedom for all people, that God cares about life for all people. That at the same time, God is also the God that as he drew Moses out and rescued him, saw Moses in the womb and knew that his life mattered. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday in our country. Do you see how God cares theologically, biblically about both? And that in that space, that's good news for you and I because he calls us. We serve a God who calls us, who has a plan and a purpose and an identity for our lives. 
And it's amazing how that works because sometimes we've missed it. Sometimes we've made mistakes. Sometimes our life feels like maybe we've made too many mistakes and we're too messy for God to do anything. How many of you know, like, if you're still breathing, God ain't done, right? And, and just to have a little fun with this, there's a brand that I grew up with that I only knew one thing about that brand. Let me show you a picture of the Stanley mug I grew up with. Some of you remember this. My dad actually had one. Uh, these were for a hundred years, all this company was known for. All they knew, all we knew about them, and they, they did it well. They sold about 70 million worth of these annually around 2019. That was their gross revenue. 70 million, not bad, not bad. But something happened when somebody had a different idea and saw a different potential and, and possibility for the Stanley brand. In fact, some of you are gonna know exactly where I'm going with this, but don't rush the stage. My, my this is my daughter's, and there have been literal, like not only did this Starbucks collaborative Stanley mug, this is the one, right? This is the one right now that people rioted, I guess, and, and rushed people in, in uh, Target. This is the one that's selling on the market right now for like four or five times what it cost. They get to selling it to pay for her college. I'm just kidding. It's hers. It's hers. And she got it in an interesting way because this actually led to Stanley doing 700 million in sales over the last year. You see, God sees your mug and he wants to let you know it ain't over. Oh, come on. We can't laugh. He sees your mug, just like he saw Moses, who made a mistake, who had a failure, who didn't exactly do everything perfectly. We'll see that in a minute. But God wasn't done. And that's the beauty of the gospel, is God has more. He has more he'll do. Now, what's interesting about this, I didn't know anything about these. I hadn't been on social media in the last year. And so I didn't know what was happening with these Stanley Cups. And my daughter comes home from work and she gets a phone call and everything changes. It's almost 10 at night. And, and I watch her get this call a couple weeks ago and she stops, drops everything and responds by driving 30 minutes to meet a friend who had the mug, <laughs> right? Who had the connection to make this happen. It's interesting because in the same way, I believe God is calling you and I, and he's asking the question, will you stop, will you drop everything, and will you respond to me? And we're going to see this in the life of Moses today. You're here for a reason today, whether you're online or in person. God wants to meet you and let you know he's calling you. Let's get there. Turn with me in chapter 2 of Exodus, verse 11. We're gonna pick up the story. If you rush the stage, I will protect that cup. That is my daughter's. Got my eye on you. Verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Now, we learn in the book of Acts that he was actually about 40 years old at this time. He's in his early 40s. So quite a bit of time had transpired. Here's him. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people, and he responds, maybe with the right heart, but the wrong method. You ever made a mistake? Listen to what happens here. 
He looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So he just murdered somebody. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses was known for something that he regretted, something that was a failure, something that ultimately could have defined his life, but God wasn't done. Many of us have made mistakes, had failures, have even had things done to us that have caused trauma, have caused tragedy. And you need to know that our God is able to transform any trauma and any tragedy and use it for his glory. You see, you and I are not held back by what the world has tried to do to us and define us. We're not even held back by our own failures and mistakes if we bring them to God and allow God to be God. And and that's what we see in the life of Moses is that 40 years had been really good for him because in that moment when he made a mistake, there is something he still knew about God that for the next 40 years, God was refining and working in his life, preparing him for what he was gonna call him to. God doesn't waste anything. In fact, many times what he's wanting is a humble people that will learn to be dependent on him, that will bring our failures, will bring our hurts, our wounds, our, our traumas to him and say, God, be God, refine me, use this. Define my future because I wanna tell you, ain't nobody supposed to define my future or yours other than my God. So if you're taking notes here, firstly, I am called Moses, and he is because he is a compassionate covenant keeper. You see, God saw the people, and he had compassion. He cares about you and I. He loves you and I. He wants to lift us out of our suffering, lift us out of our sinfulness into the good that he has for us. He is compassionate. That is good news. Amen? He's also a covenant keeper. He's a promise keeper. The world will break promises. The world will lie. Guess what? You might lie. You might break promises. You may not follow through. But our God, he is always faithful and he's a promise keeper. And because of that, in the middle of our messes, in the middle of our situations, he is at work if we come to him. You see, God is the one who refines us if you're taking notes. He refines us through our failures and he defines our future. He is the one that has you in mind, that knows what he has, knows what he wants for your life. And as we look at Moses' story, he, you may have noticed in verse 15, he sat down at a well. Back in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, there's a moment where Isaac sends a servant and it's at a well that he finds Isaac's wife. And then there's a moment where Jacob sits down at a well and, and, and Jacob finds his wife at that well. If you're single, you need to look for a well. Just kidding. I can't guarantee anything, okay? But, but this is actually what happens to Moses. Verse 15, he sits down at a well and this woman, Zipporah, what a name, and, and her family arrive and 
There's getting water and, and there's a moment where Moses stands up and protects them and helps them. And they go back home and leave poor Moses sitting there at the well. And, and the father-in-law goes, who helped you? Where is he? Sounds like a good dude. Why don't you go back to the well? And they end up getting married. And they end up in Midian building a family, which also allows Moses to be a part of a family and a new vocation with them where he's shepherding. And it's that place of shepherding that I believe he's learning the heart of God who is the good shepherd, the great I am. And it's in that space that God is redefining his future, showing them him what he has for him. I don't know what season you're in right now, but don't, don't for a minute believe that God can't redeem and work and move. He sees you. He knows you. He's got a plan for you. Listen to what verse 23 and 25 say. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw, can you say saw? saw the people of Israel, and God what? Knew. God saw them, and he knew. He heard their cry. If you're taking notes, God's people cry out, and he hears and sees and knows. It's incredible to think about that God's actually looking at us, and and I think as a church right now, I'm gonna just be really bold about this. We We have seven days left of our prayer and fasting And I think God wants to do something significant this week. But according to this, it's gonna actually start when his people cry out. When when we actually cry out and say, God, I need your help with this. I don't know what this is for you. Maybe it's an area of struggle or addiction. Maybe it's a marriage issue, an issue with your kids, your grandkids, your HOA, I don't know. But it's in that space that I wonder, are we gonna be humble enough to cry out this week? And then also cry out on the behalf of our country and our community? Instead of complaining, actually praying and crying out? Woo, that'll preach. And what does it look like to then cry out for our church and say, God, we need you. Our church needs you. Because I believe when we cry out, he hears, he sees, and he knows. It's interesting, in the New Living Translation of that verse, verse 25, it says that he acts. You see, part of knowing is God knowing what's next and revealing it and acting and us responding. The Hebrew word for know in this text in chapter 2, verse 25, is the word yada, Some of you remember a show where yada, 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 right? Yada, yada, yada. They didn't get it from here. I looked it up and actually yada, yada, yada meant blah, blah, blah. And some of you right now are like blah, blah, blah. And I'm just hoping this gets through and God's word meets you in that because there is nothing about yada that is meant to be blah, blah, blah. In fact, the word means to know, to know and be a, acquainted with, meaning you have relationship with, you actually know, I mean, think about that, the God of the universe, 
knows and wants to know you? That's crazy. What a gift. And then the the last one, to be made known, be or become known, to be revealed. God sees you and wants you to be known and him to know you and, and to reveal his will. And as that unfolds, that is such an opportunity for you and I, and it was for Moses and what it meant in his life. Notice what happens next in chapter three. God begins to move and act because God knows. Verse one, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said to him, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of all the ites. You ready for this? The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. If you're taking notes here, I am called. And Moses stopped, dropped, and responded. He stopped, dropped, and responded. And the reality is some of us are like, oh, stop, drop, and roll, right? You get it. Like we grew up with that. And, and, and truthfully, to my knowledge, that's the best way to deal with like, if you get lit on fire, stop, drop, and roll. Hopefully that doesn't happen to any of us. Now, with that said, can you picture actually what was happening here with Moses? That, that actually he's, doing his job, he's shepherding, he's in Midian with the flock, and there's something that begins to happen, and and as it happens, he stops, he drops everything he's doing and turns, and it said when he drops everything and turns, God turns towards him and begins to speak, and so in the stopping, in the dropping, in the responding, God says, this is holy ground. We serve a holy God. And when we actually have an encounter with a holy God, did you notice what he said? He said, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. Why would he do that? I think there's a couple of reasons. One, feet were dirty in that day and age, especially in sandals. Foot washing was something often done as an act of hospitality. 
He, he knew that his feet were dirty, but I think it also points us to the fact that, that our feet are often dirty. Maybe not in the same way with dust, but with sin, because our feet have taken us places that we shouldn't have gone and done things we shouldn't have done. And so I just wonder if God's saying, hey, will you stop? Will you drop everything? Will you respond in, an, in a relational encounter with me? Will you listen to me? And will you begin to take serious some of the things that I want to cleanse and remove from your life? You're standing on holy ground. So I've thought about this. I, I've realized for many of us, there are things that we, we know God is saying, hey, you, you've done that for a while. It's time to stop and drop. It's time to respond to me and let that go. It's time to take off that part that you've been allowing into your life. I want to take a minute and actually just kind of pause the message and allow you to respond to the Lord right now. To just actually, just bow your head. I'm give you space to interact with God. To stop, to drop, and to respond. As you do that, maybe you want to look at your feet and actually think about where have my feet taken me? Where are the places that they've gone that God is saying, take that off, remove that. I have holy ground for you. I have more for you. So I'm going to just give you space here for 30 to 60 seconds to just pray and do business with God. Lord, I thank you for holy moments like these. I thank you that we can stop, that we can drop the things we've been carrying and holding on to. Even the things that maybe have made our feet, our hands, our minds, our hearts dirty. You're saying, let go of it. Give it to me. I thank you that you are a God who responds, even as we see with Moses, when we've made mistakes. You say, but I'm not done. I thank you, Lord, for how relational you are, how much you desire to know each of us. I just pray for more moments in the days and weeks ahead that we could hear you calling, that we could stop, drop, and respond. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So God is so relational. And I believe like you're probably sitting here and going, well, I want a burning bush. And you know, I'm just crazy enough to believe that, that God could actually give you what that needs to be in your life this week. Now, if it's an actual burning bush, call me because I'm coming. All right, give me a call because if there's a burning bush in Vero and you're at it and God's in it, I'm, I'm coming, like I'm gonna be there. But here's the thing, it may not be that, right? It, it may be in some way, shape, or form that God actually meets you and begins to speak to you and reveal more of who he is and his will for you. He's gonna do it through his word. He's gonna do it through worship. He's gonna do it through other people. And I just wonder if we will make the space for that in the week ahead and for what God wants because he does have more. 
for me, the last couple of weeks, there's been a prayer that has been really dear to my heart that I've shared with a few of our leaders. And it's really simple. I'm gonna just share it with you. Lord, give me ears to hear and the grace to follow. I just wanna invite you to, to pray that along with me in this season. Because as we stop, drop, and respond, I think God is gonna reveal some things. And I wanna hear it. Do you wanna hear it? I wanna know what he's calling me to and what he's calling us to as a church. But, but then when we've heard it, we, we can't take it on as if it's our strength that's gonna do it. Because if it's really God, we need his grace. You see, his grace is a favor that empowers and strengthens us to do the things that he's revealed and called us to. So I don't know about you, but this for me is, is, is really gonna be my heart and my prayer for, for myself and for us as a church in this season. Because I believe I am his calling. I believe he's getting ready to reveal more. I want us to hear it and I want us to have the grace to follow. So Moses does that and what happens next is interesting because God is so relational. He enters into this dialogue with Moses from verse 11 in chapter three all the way to really verse 17 in chapter four. There's this back and forth dialogue where you have this moment where Moses is questioning his calling. You ever done that? Like, come on, God, really, me? Like, did you see what I did? Do you know who I am? Do you really think? And Moses enters into that, and God has a response in every way. In fact, when I am calls, one of the things that we have to recognize is just like Moses, we may have limiting beliefs, things that are doubts and unbelief that are getting in the way because of the things we've been through. And, and those limiting beliefs are meant to be replaced by God's liberating truth. God is a liberator. He sets us free with the truth. And there is a promise and a truth in scripture for every lie or limiting belief that maybe we've grown up with or the world has fed us. You see, there's not just one book of the Bible, there's 66. And in these 66 books, there are promises from a covenant-keeping, compassionate God who says, I've got liberating truth for you. And the beauty is for every lie we identify, every limiting belief we identify, we can come to God's word and find the truth to exchange and replace and to begin to lead us forward in our new identity and in our new freedom. I've been walking through this myself the last couple of weeks as well. I've been taking my journal and as I'm praying, writing down some of the limiting beliefs that I've lived with. I've been writing down some of the lies and and, and even some of the lamentations, the, 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 the things that still, if I look back, especially even at 2023, and I go, God, I want to leave that in 2023. You know what I'm saying? Like things that happened that I'm going, God, I wish it was different, but it happened. I want to leave this here. I don't want to carry this forward. I know you have truth for me. That process is so significant. And Moses lives it out for us. Let me show you. 
Here are some limiting beliefs that Moses in those verses represent. I'm not going to read the verses to you. If you want the notes, go to pathwayvb.com slash FYI. Those notes are there for you. For the sake of time, I'm just going to reference them. The first is in chapter 3, verse 11. He says, why me? Why me, God? Maybe you feel like that. Why me? Why would you choose me, God? Really? Secondly, he says, what do I tell others? Right? What am I going to tell the people? I already screwed it up once 40 years ago. What am I going to tell them now? Third, he says, why will they believe me? Why would they believe me? They know me. They know my character. They know I'm not perfect. Why would they believe me? How are they going to know this is actually you? Fourth, he, he says, I'm not capable of this. He actually references his inability to speak. Many scholars believe he had a speech impediment and stuttered. And so he's saying, I, I, I'm not capable. I can't do this. And he says, like many of us probably feel, please send somebody else. Like you're probably sitting here right now going, I want I am, but I don't want to be called. Like maybe there's a part of you that's like, mm, this is for the person at the end of the row right now. Lord, I pray that they hear you. May they get an anointing, a double portion of your spirit. Bless them because they are called. Because I got lunch plans. I got football watching plans. Go Lions. But, but don't we do that sometimes, right? Don't we sometimes get to that place where we're like, send somebody else so relatable. Those are the limiting beliefs. Look at the liberating truth. God responds. He's always good like that, right? He always responds. He says, I will be with you. Yeah, I know who you are. Ain't about you. I'll be with you. Secondly, he says, I am who I am. That's Yahweh, the God who says I am, who Jesus in the gospel seven times reiterated, I am, I am, I am. He was saying, I am the great I am. And some of us are like, yeah, you know what? I am who I am. And God's like, no, I am who I am. And I wanna make you more like me. Oh, you didn't catch it. Cause I just, I just stepped all over you. You see, some of you have begun to live with this limiting belief that that's just the way I am. I am who I am. No, sorry. God is who he is. I am who I am, he says. And I want to make you like me. God provides signs. In this particular section, he turns water into, or water into blood, throws down a staff, it turns to a serpent, pulls out his hand, and it's leprous. I mean, this is like, Amazing, right? Signs and wonders that people will know it's God. I, again, like, and then later what happens? 10 plagues. And every single plague is a systematic attack on a false Egyptian God. So that the Egyptians and Pharaoh would ultimately know that our God, I am, has power over every false God here on earth. Those are signs he says, I'll provide them for you. I'll be with you. People will know it's not you. They'll know it's me. Fourth, he says, I am the one who made you. Yeah, I know you've got some problems with fluent speech, but I know that. 
Maybe for you it's not that. Maybe for you it's, it's you know, you don't like your height. You don't like your weight. You don't like that you're left-handed or right-handed. I don't know, that's a weird one. My wife's left-handed, I'm right-handed. It works out pretty good. I don't know what it is that you don't like about the way God made you. He says to Moses, come on, I'm your creator. I know exactly what I'm getting when I call you. I know exactly who you are and what I have for you. And then fifth, he says, you are called and won't be alone. This is really good news. Because he looks at him, almost you you get in a bit of exasperation and frustration and, and says, okay, got it. Aaron will speak. But I'm gonna speak through you, Moses, to Aaron and Aaron will speak on my behalf. So you're not alone. And in addition to that, what's more important is I'll be with you. When God calls us, we're never meant to do it alone. We do it with him and we do it with each other. So when I am calls, what are the limiting beliefs that begin to pop into your head that God's saying, no, I've got liberating truth. I wanna help you. I wanna be close to you. I wanna be with you. It's interesting, last night, some of my family at my house uh, would tell you that, that I got all up in my flesh and really afraid and fearful. It's interesting how that'll happen, right? I heard a yes backstage, that's amazing. You, you know what happened though, is I woke up this morning, people had been praying, family had been praying, met with God, spent some time with him preparing for this morning and realized if he's near, <laughs> there is nothing to fear. If he's near, if he's close, if I've spent time with him, if, as Moses learned, if God is near, there's nothing to fear. So you begin following him and walking forward because he's the one that says, I've got a new identity and name for you. I've got a new purpose for you. I've got new community for you. Moses would find it as Yahweh led him and the people of Israel as Aaron began to emerge as a leader. He began to walk into his calling. You see, God's got a a new identity, a new purpose and community for each of us. Jumping ahead into the Gospels, into the New Testament, in Matthew 28, there's a moment. Go back just for a second. I'm going to set it up. He he comes to the disciples and and he begins to to let them know that, listen, uh, I'm not calling you anything but disciple. Like in that moment, he's getting ready to leave earth and he's leaving what's known as the Great Commission and he calls them a disciple. Why does he do that? Because there's a difference between a follower of Jesus and someone who just knows about Jesus. You see, disciples would follow the rabbi. They would follow the teacher. They would follow whoever was the one in charge. And he's saying, I'm, I am, and you are my disciple. So in this modern American Christian culture, we need to understand the difference between saying we're a Christian, like just putting it on a necklace, a bumper sticker, a t-shirt, and saying, hey, I, I got that get out of hell card. You know, I just threw it in my back pocket. I'm gonna go live my life. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He, he's saying when you become mine, 
I've got a new identity for you. I'm gonna look at you as a son or daughter. You're gonna follow me. How many of you know there's a difference between fearing God and following God? Or being a fan of God and actually following God? And, he's, and so our identity becomes this, I'm following Jesus. And the purpose, he'll, in Matthew 28, he'll say, you're to go to make disciples. So to go means that you and I have a purpose that wherever we go, we move from being a disciple to a disciple maker, to multiplying, that's our purpose, no matter where we find ourselves. And the awesome thing about us, he says, it's gonna happen in all nations. You're gonna take it, you're gonna go. And so when we come to church and gather like this, whether we're online or in person, we look around and realize we got a whole new community. We got brothers and sisters that don't look like us. In fact, do you know that the, the, the word church the closest thing we have to it in the Greek in, in the New Testament is the word ecclesia. It has nothing to do with a building. Nothing to do with a facility. I mean, this is a blessing, don't get me wrong. But the church, the community of God is the people of God that are following Jesus. Ecclesia means the called out and sent ones. Come on, church. So let me read it to you in the text, Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, let me hear you say go. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The identity is a disciple. The purpose is a disciple maker. The community is his church and his people. What does that look like? When he says go, that means wherever we go, whether it's to lunch, to our home, to our neighborhood, to our beach, to our community, to Publix, to Sam's Club, to fight over a Stanley Starbucks collaborative mug. He's saying, will you be a disciple and make disciples as you go? Not just Pastor Brian, but all of us together. So if this idea is beginning to resonate with you, it's because it's what you're created for. It's what I am calls us to. This Wednesday, you didn't know you had plans, but this Wednesday we have our better together, a little bit of worship, a little bit of teaching and vision, getting into our identity, our community, and our purpose together. Pastor Zoro and I will be here, the worship team. You didn't know you had plans Wednesday, but we'd love to see you at 6.30. Because Sundays are great, and Sundays, God moves. But if we're really gonna live out our identity and our purpose, we need to be in community together. We need to be in spaces like that, like in February, life groups, men's groups, women's group, whatever you need to be where you can learn and be who God has called you to be. Now, some of you are here and you're like, I don't even know Jesus. I'm gonna just tell you, he knows you, he loves you. He wants a relationship with you today. Start there, start there. Begin by becoming a disciple of Jesus and learning about Jesus. In that journey, he'll begin using you right away. That's the amazing thing in the gospels. So he would immediately begin to use people. 
Some of you have been waiting too long to be used by God. God's saying, will you just move your feet? Will you just start? Will you just let me be who I want to be? Can you say, I am called? (laughs) That wasn't like you meant it. Let me hear you again on three. One, two, three. All right, that's a little bit more faith and belief there. Three questions for you as, as we bring this to a close. First, will you stop, drop, and respond to whatever God is revealing to you today? Will you stop, drop what you need to, and respond to whatever God is revealing to you? Second, will you let God replace your limiting beliefs with his liberating truth? And that's a journey. There are things today that you may have heard that immediately replaces a limiting belief with his truth. And there are other things that God's gonna say, okay, we're gonna walk this one out. Walk with me, get in my word. Get to know the truth and the promises. So will you do that? Will you let him set you free and call you to what he has? Third, will you say, I am called and embrace his identity, his purpose, and his community for you. If we do that in 2024, your life will change, the life of our church will change. And I believe more of what he has actually planned and intended for Pathway Church, for Vero Beach, for the Treasure Coast and beyond will begin to unfold. So we're gonna have a chance to respond because how could I talk about it and not give you that opportunity, right? So up front, we'll have prayer partners available to talk, to pray with you, whatever you need. There's plenty of room as well if you need to set your feet free to to find freedom and praise and dance and move and say, I've been shackled too long, I'm finding freedom and a new name, a new identity. Like this is a place of praise and prayer. Is that clear? Responding is okay. Let him lead you. In fact, right now, I'm not gonna ask you to move your feet just yet. But will you move your bottoms? Can you stand up? I want to pray over you, pray over us. And then we're going into a song that speaks about I am, who he is, the name, the identity, the purpose that he has for us. Don't miss this moment. Stop, drop, respond. Let God be God right now and do what he wants to do in your life, amen? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you know each person in this room and online. You see them, you created them with a plan and a purpose. You love them and have more for them. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to move in the room, to have your way, May we boldly come to you. Scripture says that because of the blood of Jesus, we can boldly approach the throne. So I pray that we would respond however you're leading. May spirit give birth to spirit. May those that don't know you come to know you. May those that need to surrender to you, surrender and truly follow you as a disciple. God, bless this time as we praise and worship you. Hear our cries as we raise our voices. We thank you that you are a compassionate and covenant-keeping God. In Jesus' name, amen.